Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. If you've seen your worship guide, then you see that we are starting a brand new sermon series today to the Church of East Haven. And what I want to do is I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to read verses 23, 24, and 25 in just a minute. Now, what we're going to do the next number of weeks, also probably this series will take us up to um, Palm Sunday. I want us to understand who we are in Christ, who we are as a church, a little bit more about uh, me, especially next week, and how God has wired and, and shaped me, which is why you need to keep praying. And also our general direction as a church. Now, vision is a mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction of what should be. So it takes a little while, doesn't it? I'm not going to come in here and say, well, let me tell you exactly what we ought to do with all these different things, the buildings and the outsides and the, especially the ministries or those kind of things. Though some people have gotten a, a feel for some of that. It takes a little time for us to get to know each other, but I want to know some basics. And so I'll do some of that on Wednesday nights as we look at the seven churches in Revelation, and then we'll walk through a little textbook, scripturally, biblically based. It talks about church and how to be alive. So more about that on Wednesday nights. There's different things going on Wednesday nights. Nights, I support that, but that's where we're going on Wednesday nights. We'll start looking at the seven churches and take one or two a week, kind of walk through it. So today, this ministry is a ministry for everyone. I mean, we're getting to know each other. There's different age groups in here, different educational backgrounds, different kinds of people. God loves everybody. But as a believer, we've got to understand, regardless if we've been a seasoned Christian for years, you accepted Christ last week, you're an older senior saint, you're a young teenager, this ministry that we're going to talk about right now in just a minute is a ministry for everyone. And what I want us to do is to be known as a church for several things, but ask also to be, and you're known for this, to being friendly and being even ramping that up, but being an encouraging place to come. People need hope. And so when we gather together, which is so important, especially after COVID, because I think some people may, maybe this, this has happened in Florida, maybe this didn't happen in Mississippi, some people developed a habit of not going anymore. And I get Facebook Live, and I get that some people can't because of their health and other things, and I get that sometimes you're on vacation and those kind of things. That's what I'm talking about. But I'm ta- what I'm talking about is those that got out of the habit or don't understand the importance of being plugged into a church. We're going to deal with that for a while, but we need encouragement. So, in Hebrews, the writer, the author, wrote to Jewish 
Christians who were familiar with the sacrificial system, and some of them were drifting back into that. You know, the law, if I do this, I'll be fine. If I do that, I'll be fine. They were discovering that even if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you deal with trials and persecution. They were dealing with Emperor Nero. Sometimes we think we've been martyred, we've been abused, and I'm not taking, I'm not taking, going light on that because sometimes we, we seem like the more we stand for Christ today, the worse it gets, and I get that. But if you ever study our history and biblical history, Nero was pretty rough. And so these Hebraic Christians were getting to a point, some of them, they were drifting back toward the law and saying, I'm not so sure I'm all about this Jesus thing. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, oh, no, hang on to him even though it's tough and it's difficult, don't shrink back. And so here's what it says. And by the way, I got my new Bible. Got me NIV, by the way. I, I told you last time I'd tell you, uh, on, on Sundays, at least in the near future, I'll be using the, the NIV. So I, I was able to order my Bible. I'm just taking a break here for a minute. I was able to order my Bible. I do this sometimes now, y'all. I'll, you know, stuff that's not in my notes, I'll get off on it. I think there's a name for all that. Some of us aren't wired like me. But anyway, so I, I got this Bible, and I'm excited about it. It's NIV, and I, um, I, w- I posted it on, on Facebook. And one of my buddies, one of you Brookhaven folks that they, y'all sent to Mississippi College when I was there. There's some of those guys that are around, and and uh, I was hoping they'd be here today so I could really dump three hours on them but because uh, I hadn't seen a lot of them in a while. But one of those guys, Paul Henning, that I went to MC with years ago, played a little baseball with me, and I, I sent him a text, by the way, about after I decided we decided to come here and you graciously gave me that offer. I said, man, I, you know, I am about my hair, Paul. Where do I need to go to get my, uh, my hair cut? He said, you asking the wrong person. I'm bald. I ain't had hair cut. So leave it to Paul Henning. I post the, my beautiful Bible, and he says in a, in a comment, he says, is it just me, or does it look like there's a face on the front? And I thought, well, thanks, Paul. I've never noticed that face, but it kind of does. So I told Kelly, she says, just, just think of us, Jesus smiling back at you. So that's what I'm doing. Here it is. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging say that with me encouraging let's try that again encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Tony Evans said this about this passage and about Hebrews, thinking, is it worth it to keep on going? He says, yes, it is. Keep going. Don't turn back. Jesus is worth the trouble. And one of the reasons in this section of Hebrews The writer pauses to say, don't forsake 
the assembling of yourselves together, but encourage one another as long as you see the day approaching. In other words, keep encouraging each other in the family of God until Jesus comes back or you go home. And I'm talking about home, home, heaven. Truett Cathy once said, founder of Chick-fil-A, he says, you know how you know somebody needs encouragement? If they're breathing. As far as I know right now, everybody in here is breathing. So whether a person looks like it or not, they could use this ministry of encouragement. So what I want to do in our remaining time is I want us to look quickly at three things that's in your worship guide. First of all, It is biblical. The word encouragement or courage or some form of it is listed 62 times in the context of Scripture. If you take time to look at David, the warrior in the Old Testament, he was encouraged to encourage his men after he had a family member die and he went through grief and we all grieve in different ways, in different times, and that's a part of the family of God. It's okay to grieve. But for a time, if you look look up the story, David was grieving prolonged, and he was going through a tough family member that had died. I had no idea what it'd be like to lose who he lost, but he was, he was troubled. He was, he, somebody went to him and said, listen, if you don't snap out of it, your men that have stood beside you day in and day out and in the battlefield are going to lose hope because you need to shake out of it, work through it, trust God, and get out there and encourage those men. Moses was also a great man of faith in the Old Testament. And he was once encouraged to encourage Joshua. Why? Because Joshua would lead the children of Israel into the promised land. He was his right-hand man. He was his associate for a time. He said, Moses, look, you're a good man, and I know they're grumbling, and God's giving you a call, but you're getting older. So understand, God's got plans for this man, Joshua. Encourage him as much as you can. It is a ministry that's thoroughly biblical. The believers needed to know the value. The Greek is in theos. Put courage into, put God into. In other words, when we encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ, it helps them take shape to be everything that they are supposed to be. It's pounding courage. I have here a green balloon. It's not red, blue, it's green. Right now, it's flat. It's not filling its purpose. It's just, it is there. It's there. It's a balloon. We see that, but it's not fulfilling its purpose. But some of your, I'll try to be careful. You start putting air in here, it starts taking shape. And then you can tie it up and you can give it to a, take it to a birthday party. Or if you grew up where I did on Halloween, we filled it with water and threw it at each other. <laughs> Take shape. And that fulfills its purpose. When we encourage people biblically, they take shape. 
to be everything that God wants them to be to fulfill their purpose and their mission in our brief time here on earth. It is biblical. And it's for everyone. I know that some have the spiritual gift of exhortation, but it's just like giving. Some people have the gift of giving. We're supposed to give, and we're supposed to encourage. We're supposed to share our faith, even if you think one of the spiritual gifts is evangelism, or you have the other persuasion. It's just an ability or something you've been well-trained. doesn't matter. We're to tell other people about Jesus. We're to give graciously and generously to God, and we're to encourage everyone. It is biblical. Secondly, it's very practical. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. It's very easy. You could see the writer didn't give the how-tos here. Maybe that's because you could go to example of old Barnabas, son of encouragement. Chapter 11, listen to this. In Acts chapter 11, the church in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas. Son of encouragement, son of thunder, was his nickname to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw that the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So if you follow Barnabas, you can see he he would encourage people and bless the church by giving. He would encourage people by forgiving. John Mark came back later. He left on a missionary journey, but Barnabas was one said, let's give him a second chance. He was the one that would encourage people by promoting. Apostle Paul, he was Saul, persecuted Christians, born again, child of God, came back. Some people were like, whoa, this guy's been throwing stones and improving of it and hurting the kingdom of God. And his old Barnabas said, give him a chance. Jesus can change anybody. Give him a chance. That's old Barnabas. Practical. Giving, forgiving, promoting. Now, let me give you some very practical ways that we can encourage people. One is a text. Anybody in here have a cell phone? Just raise your hand. I thought so. Not a whole lot of landlines anymore. Some people have flip phones. That's fine. You have a cell phone. It is not hard to text somebody when God puts them on your heart. You text them, bless them, encourage them. Today I got one from a guy named Billy Causey. I've known him a long time. We talked about it with someone. His dad used to be pastor at Parkway. He, he sent me a text. He says, prayers your way this morning. Alan B. is another guy that lives in Oxford but uh, used to go to Morrison Heights a while, good, good friend of mine. He said, he, he sent me a text last night. He said, expect good. I, I got one from one of your former pastors, Danny Singleton, said, and, and I didn't know Danny knew me this well. He said, Master, help my friend, all caps, help. I got a letter from your recent former pastor, by the way, after I came here, went in view of a call, went back to Florida, uh, sent me a a real nice letter or text or email. I can't remember what it was, by the way, saying congratulations. That was it. And I appreciated it. Don't, Don't know him. 
There's text. There's similar uh, on Facebook. Ann Porter through Messenger, my high school typing teacher, Kosciuszko. She said, sending the prayers of love, I love you. Carol Ann, Marson Heights sent me this through Facebook. Just do what you do. In other words, he said, look, just be yourself. I think y'all say, I've been trying to do that, which sees what you get. So all those things, and then there were others, uh, a guy, I, I won't go, th- I'm just telling you, texting, messenger can be a great way to encourage someone. And then I've told you some people gave me a king cake. That's a way to encourage people. That's not hard. Give people a snack every now and then. Sometimes you give somebody a, a, a buddy snap. You know what a buddy, you know what a buddy snap is? Uh, let me go down here and mess with Bradley real quick because I'm going to show you what a buddy snap is. So a buddy snap is like this. Bradley, you stand up. Now, I'm not going to shake his hand because he shakes my hand too hard. <laughs> I've learned that about him. But a buddy snap is you see somebody, it might be your buddy, you not seen him in a while, and it might be you just, you just, just a quick buddy snap like that. Just a, or a bro hug. You know, a bro hug is one of these like this right there. Listen, you never know. Thank you, Bradley. You never know when somebody... Even somebody that seems to have it together like Bradley or other guys in here may need that bro hug or that buddy snap because something is going on in their life and you may never know about it, but that hug helped take them another day, another week to not forsake the assembling of themselves together, to not shrink back, which is what Hebrews said. It's real easy. And then there's other times... It's just a presence ministry. Sometimes you have somebody that loses a loved one, and you don't know what to say. It's called a presence ministry. Just be there. Might be better not say anything when it's real sensitive. Maybe a child died. Maybe a spouse, maybe a spouse died suddenly. Just be there. Some bless me. You saw. You saw. Uh, you know. Janie and Lonnie, and it was the presence ministry. They didn't even say anything, stirred me up. Help me. Help me. So it is biblical. It's practical. And thirdly, it is powerful. You see, the writer says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't do that. You need your Sunday school class. You need to come during the week. You need to create other small groups that's on your own maybe. And you need to come to worship. It can be powerful when God's people are together. And that's what he's saying. Don't stop meeting together. Find the church that God wants you to be in. Get plugged in wherever God wants you. And as much as you can, stay plugged in, serving faithfully, and watch what it will do. It is absolutely powerful. When I was at Morrison Heights, the second time as a pastor, we were in the midst of uh, making decisions about whether to stay in that location or relocate because we were landlocked. And fighting with some of the neighbors. Some of them I knew pretty well. 
and I'm coming back home, and it's a little awkward. And yet, I believe that God was leading us to relocate. If you go by Clinton on your way to Vicksburg, you'll see it on the right. Now, here's what I would tell you. God did that, and he did it through some godly men and women that stood up for what was right over a period of time. But I'm telling you, I thought I was so naive and so young, Lonnie. I thought maybe because I went to Clinton, I went to Mississippi College, that when I brought it up, people would say, oh, sure, Hal. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's relocate. That's not what happened. Now, some of them were fine. Some of them came along. Some never did. Never did. But, here's, but here's what I would tell you. God did it over time in different ways. And this has encouragement, how powerful encouragement is. And you relocated. I'm learning more about your history. So a lot of you probably can relate to this. So I'm kind of at home pastoring. My two homes are Kosciuszko and Clinton. And I'm at Marsonites for the second time. And we're relocating. So during those times, in those times, not everybody came through the line to speak to me after the sermon. You know, I don't know if we do that here. You know, you come by and some people have time to do that. Some people, well, we had a little foyer and and I'd stand back there in the back and some people had time to speak and some regulars, they stopped showing up. Now, why were they doing that? They were mad at me. They were upset. I was leading the church to relocate. And so I got to tell you about a lady named Sue. I'm going to call her Sue because that was her name. (laughs) Sweet Sue Herndon. So Sue Herndon was a senior saint. She couldn't sing in the choir anymore. She couldn't sing. She couldn't teach Sunday school anymore. She was limited in what she could do. But most Sunday mornings, she would come to church. And during those times at home when there were times I was feeling pretty beat up, but I try to please God, not man. I knew it was what I was supposed to do. So I knew it was a hill to die on. And so during that time when people weren't coming, Sue Sue Herndon always came. I called her Sweet Sue. We had several Sweet Sues. Sweet Sue Herndon. So it would be this line. And I'd start looking for her. Now, I try to speak to people right here, but you got to understand that season in my life. I'd glance, I'd, I'd, lift, I'd look out of my peripheral vision, and I'd glance, see if I sweet Sue. So here's what sweet Sue would do. She'd come through that line, and she was, at that point, she could barely, well, she was just walking like this. Sweet Sue. And I'd be down here, and I'd say, I'd, inside, I'd say, there she comes. Yes, Sue's coming. I'm about to get, to get my power boost. And here's what she'd do. She turned toward me. And she would kiss me on the cheek with Kelly's permission. She'd kiss me on the cheek every time. And then she'd look at me. She'd grab my hands. And she'd say, I love you. And it just pounded courage in my heart and my life. It was Not many people knew what Sue was doing at the time. There's a lot of people that know God did all of that and some of the key leaders. A lot of them don't know about Sue Herndon's part in all that. 
She had a big part. Don't you ever stop, no matter how old you are, how young you are, how educated you are, how not educated you are, you got a job, you don't have a job, you retired, whatever it is, as a believer, don't stop encouraging people. It's biblical, it's practical, and it's powerful. You may never know this side of heaven how God used you to help somebody keep going on with their purpose and their mission in life. Now, I want to ask you just to stand. We're about to have our invitation. Those that lead in our invitation are coming. Those that help during the invitation, the counselors are going to be right down here at the front. And I want to explain the invitation this morning. One is, it may be that God has spoken to you about this particular ministry of encouragement. And maybe you used to do it, but you hadn't in a while, and you need to talk to God about it. You can stand there. You can come kneel at the prayer altar. These benches at certain times are kneeling places. So you can do that if God's saying, I know I need to be a part of this ministry. I know that needs to be a part of our church on an ongoing basis after the honeymoon with this how guy's over. I know God wants me to do it. Then you do business with God and say, God, help me to never forget to encourage people. Here's the other part of the invitation. You know what? My wife and I like this church so much, we're going to join today. We are. I've asked Kelly. I said, now, Kelly, I'm going to be down there with the other ministers. Phil, you already here? Where are you, Phil? Phil's coming. Phil's going to stand down here. I, I, I told him, I said, look, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to be the only person doing an invitation. There need to be other ministers. There need to be counselors. There need to be deacons down here because you don't want a traffic jam. I'm not that guy. I've, I've seen sometimes where the pastor, the pastor has to be the only one down here, and then you got people lining up. No. No, people are listening to God. The Holy Spirit's working. We need to move. And I know that may take some time to work together, and maybe you've been doing that. But the ministers will be down here. We've got counselors here. It may be that you know, just like my wife knows, that God wants you to join this church. Why not today? Now, if he hadn't told you to join, don't do it. Don't do it. But if God's clearly told you, why wait? Go ahead and do it. These folks will talk to you. They'll not embarrass you. They'll just talk to you to make sure you know what's going on and how that process and that journey works. There may be some other decision that you need to talk to. God's spoken to you about something. That's why people are here. We'll talk to you the best we can as staff, and there are others that will talk to you, not embarrass you, listen to you, pray with you. That's what this is, is responding to God's invitation. God, this is your invitation. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen.